Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to episode two of Baking Your Business from Scratch, the shiny new podcast about being the best possible mom and the best possible business owner, making you the best possible mom boss. I am your host and lover of all things home and business, Jennifer Snyder. I am so excited about this episode. Today, I'm talking with my good friend, Sally Schmidt, about confidence. I know you're rolling your eyes and confidence is something that is painful to talk about. However, we have to have confidence on some level with everything that we do, whether it's raising our kids, starting a business, going on a date night with our spouse, or selling a product or service our own or those of someone else. So confidence is key. Confidence is key in everything. And Sally has some great information about it and where to dig deep to find it when you don't have it. Here's our chat. Hi, Sally. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to talk to you today about confidence. And when I was thinking about doing a podcast on confidence, you came to mind first. So welcome to Baking Your Business from Scratch and thank you for being here. Will you tell our listeners what you do? And I know why I think you're special, but you tell us why you're so special. Okay. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I own a small counseling practice, uh, just solo, just me now. I have in the past had employees. I specialize in working with people who are recovering from having been exposed to some type of interpersonal trauma, which is different from like PTSD because of exposure to war conditions or trauma that's after in the aftermath of like an environmental disaster, like a hurricane or an explosion. Interpersonal trauma is harm that's done from one person to another or witnessing the harm done from one person to another. So that includes first responders who experience a lot of what we call secondary trauma because they witness the the harm done. Um, Most of my clients are adult survivors of childhood abuse or adults getting out of toxic, uh, psychologically abusive relationships. And then I also do work with Couples and families, multi-generational families, for an example, um, mother and adult daughter or adult siblings um, 
and then individual work. Most of the individual work is connected to trauma. Most of my couple's work is connected to some type of trauma as well. So one or both members of the couple have experienced trauma and it's interfering in their relationship or trauma has occurred in their relationship, such as infidelity. You're so super special. And so one thing that I don't know, you may not even know this, but as I was building my business, and I know that you've watched it pretty much from the ground up in our time that we've known one another, you have been instrumental in me overcoming, overcoming a lot of my fears. And you probably don't even know that. And so- yeah. And one, one thing that particularly comes to mind is my email newsletter. And you, you may remember this. And I wanted to make an email newsletter, but I was afraid. I was afraid of unsubscribes. I didn't want anybody to unsubscribe to my newsletter because I would have taken that as rejection. And so I was just afraid. I was afraid that the world didn't want to hear what I had to say. And, you know, the same thing with launching a podcast. And you, you walked with me through that you know, and we would visit weekly and I would see you every Monday morning and, and you just walked with me through that. And, and confidence is something that, that I think all business, uh, new business owners in particular struggle with. And me as a professional organizer, you know, organizing comes so easy to me that sometimes I, I don't feel right asking people to pay for it, but I know that, you know, I need to make a living too. Right. So, right. And so confidence, I think, is, is something that, in, and you can expand on it, I think confidence is something that if we don't feel it, we can still have it. Do you agree with me? Yeah, we can, we can practice the confidence that we don't emotionally experience. And so that means things like, you know, making a decision and following through on that decision, even though we may feel inside like we are waffly, <laughs> but to follow through on that is confidence in action in the absence of the emotion. Absolutely. One thing, one thing that I do, and, and maybe you can give us some other strategies because what works for me doesn't always work for everybody. If I, if I am feeling nervous about going into a situation, whether it's speaking in front of a group or networking or just going to a client meeting to, to try to sell my service, if I wear fantastic shoes, I just feel better. Um, if I, if I put on makeup, if I put on my favorite shirt. So for me, I can boost my confidence in, in my clothes or just in my personal appearance. Would you share with our listeners some other ways that, that they can, that they can help have confidence, even if they don't feel it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I, I, uh, resonate with some of those things like a good outfit or shoes or good hair day, um, that boost confidence, but I put my focus more towards internal processes. So as you were speaking, a couple of things that occurred to me is that sometimes we struggle to feel confident because of something we call imposter syndrome. And so that's kind of the, how do I, how do I dare call myself like an expert or a specialist in this? What do I have, you know, extraordinary to bring? Sometimes we struggle with confidence. Like you mentioned the charging for something that comes easily to you so that instead of imposter syndrome, you feel good about what you do and you recognize you have something to bring, but you struggle to charge for it because it doesn't feel like work. And so a lot of times when we work in a heart centered industry, then we feel good about the work we're doing and it somehow feels wrong to take money for something that feels so good to do. And that's exactly how I feel, Sally. That's exactly how I feel. I think like as simplistic and as complicated all at the same time, you already had the answer. And that was, we all have to make a living. 
Right. And so when you bring your gift to the table to, to someone else's life, what you offer doesn't come easily to them. Otherwise they wouldn't be hiring you. Right. And so what you do have to offer is of enough value to be paid for. And then I think kind of a third uh, place where we can struggle with things like charging if we're in a heart-centered industry is we, especially if we have a background in the church, we feel like there should be this ministry component to it. And somehow we feel obligated to offer it for free or almost nothing. And um, even a church is a business. Even a church has a business plan, has a budget, has um, a need to generate revenue. So even if you look at your heart-centered business as a ministry, it still has to make money. It still has to put food on the table and it has to provide a lifestyle that you can love living. And there's nothing wrong or selfish or unacceptable about that. You are worth your work, your gift, your um, skills are worth paying for. Um, and like in my profession, I remember a conversation with somebody who's like, I just feel like all I'm doing is paying you to listen. I'm like, well, there is that. There is a pain for my time to listen, but you're also paying for confidentiality. You're also paying for a great deal of education that goes into the listening that helps you make sense of what you're sharing in a way that helps you move forward in your life in a way that is fulfilling and serves you well, rather than just dumping words out on a empty brain. Right. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into what you bring to the table in your customer relationships. And so I think recognizing that and owning it is really important. A big piece that gets in the way of that, and this is where I think, you, know, you said, say, what, what makes you special? I don't know that it makes me special, but I think it gives me a, another level of qualification is all of the work and training I've done in the research and work of Brene Brown and what was originally called The Daring Way. Basically, it's the work of authenticity, vulnerability, shame, and shame resilience. And so shame is a big piece of what keeps us from feeling confident. Shame being, in a nutshell, some version of I'm not good enough or I'm not seen as good enough. Wow. And then when we say to ourselves, I'm not good enough, we can never be good enough. Right. And when my Angela, I wish I could think of the poem off the top of my head. I'd have to go look it up. But one of her poems, and it's uh, the poem that's kind of the backbone of Braving the Wilderness, which is one of Brene Brown's books. Maya says, we must first belong to ourselves. And it's hard to think, it like, what does that mean? Well, it means I can't sit in my own cheap seats in vulnerable moments and scream hateful things at myself. It means I have to see myself as who I authentically am and claim that and own that even when others maybe don't see it. Right. And I love it that you just brought up vulnerability because I wanted to ask you, vulnerability is one thing that I was thinking about just this morning. And is there, is there a connection between vulnerability and confidence? And I, and I ask that because I feel like sometimes, and networking is a great example, sometimes I have to be vulnerable in a situation before I can feel confident in the situation. Do you agree with that? I think yes. And I think confidence kind of is in the same family as courage. Right. And we don't need courage if there's not fear. And the lack of confidence is in the same family as fear. So we must have some sense of vulnerability to even have the need for courage or confidence. 
Right. I love that. You know, they, they go together and our world tends to say like the popular phrase is no fear. Well, I think that's BS. I think feel the fear and dive in anyway is what we need to be saying because there is fear. That's just a real thing. That's our brain trying to protect us. And so if we just acknowledge it and go, yep, there's fear and it's not going to sit in the driver's seat. It's not the wardrobe I'm going to get dressed in. I'm going to go in with my uh, red high heels and red lipstick and be confident even when I have this discomfort. And you know, and we just, we just have to do that as confident as, as we feel there's times when we're, we don't feel it and we have to do it anyway, do it scared. Absolutely. I remember back to the days when we had our, um, accountability group, our little group that you were referring to on Monday mornings, we called it super chicks and how we, how we encouraged one another and built each other up. And when one of us came in saying, I, I have this dream or I have this idea or I have this thing I need to do and I'm afraid. And then we would all talk through the fears and encourage one another to be like, it's okay to feel that like, you know, you can still do this hard thing. Um, and you know, that's not quoting anybody, but that's the, the gist of how we um, held each other up. And we became a place to borrow confidence for each other. So when I couldn't feel the confidence in myself, I could borrow your confidence in me. Right. And that's, you know, I think that's an important thing too, that wasn't on my list is when you have, when you surround yourself with people who, who love and respect you, it's, you know, then you can borrow the confidence from them. And, and that's, that is such a, a good, a good, a good way to say it is, you know, I was so scared of that email newsletter and was so scared of the podcast and, and having the people around me say, you know what, Jennifer, I know you can do it. You're going to do great. When I don't feel that I can, I can, I can take that from someone else. And, and I love it that you said that. Yeah. It's kind of that idea of being seen by someone in a way that's very powerful and empowering. And when we struggle to see ourselves and someone else sees us, I mean, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like oxygen to our lungs that helps us keep breathing and going on it. And I think that's part of why we're wired for connection. We need you know, to be in relationship with others. And so that borrowing from someone else, what they can see in you that you struggle to see at any given moment is incredibly empowering. I love that. I just love that. And, you know, we're speaking to people who are, are building new businesses and, and really taking a chance and, and, and putting themselves out there and putting their hearts on the line and, and their potential futures. And, and I feel like there's so many people that could do that more people could do that if they weren't afraid. And, and I say that coming from a place of someone who lived in a place of fear for a long time too, you know, what I don't, and I may have told you this at some point, but when I first wanted to become a professional organizer, it was a long, long time ago. And I saw an episode of wife swap. I don't know if you remember that, that show. Yeah, I do. I saw an episode of wife swap. And one of the one of the wives was a professional organizer and her house was really organized way more than mine was. And I like, I, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And so I let a TV show deter me from my dream for almost a decade. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a very long time ago. And, and, and I, I was, I, I felt like I wasn't good enough because of a TV show. <laughs> and and so we allow so many things to get in the way of our dreams. And 
we just have to trust in ourselves that that we we can do it and once we we i think once we have that positive self-talk and we have supportive people around us then yeah. um, that voice gets a little softer yeah and if you think about there used to be a popular i think at the time it came out it was more like a printed poster but now we would call it a meme probably but <laughs> It's a little boy standing on a baseball field with a baseball bat and a baseball. And the quote is, everybody was a beginner at one time. Mm -hmm. That's right. If you're comparing yourself to somebody who's been a professional organizer for 10 or 20 years and you're just starting, of course, they're going to be at a different place from you. And you have to be a beginner. You have to start somewhere. And I think that's an important thing that we all have to do when we start our businesses you know, I went from one hour a week of counseling. <laughs> now I'm telling people, yeah, I can get you on the calendar. Um, well, before COVID, I was booking people. It was like, okay, I can get you on in like two or three months. Now things have slowed down a little bit thanks to the pandemic, but I'm still looking at three and four weeks out before I can get a new client on the schedule most of the time. Um, you know, I started at one hour a week. Well. Oh. And I've loved watching your business grow. And, and so in the time that I've known you, you, you have always exuded this beautiful confidence. And, and I think there were times when, when that's what I saw in you. And even though you weren't really feeling it and, but just your confidence is beautiful and the confidence in all the things you do, not just your business and, and the, the fantastic business that you've built, but even in your personal life with, um, and if it, I hope it's okay, if I say this, if it's not, we'll try to get rid of it. But, um, you know, you're running, I've always looked up to you for being able to do that. And, and so I just feel like that's why I felt like you were the best person for the spot because, because I've always seen confidence in you and, and just appreciate it. And, and just know that I admire you for that if I've never told you that before. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you should bring up running because I, I just did that for about a year and a half. I had a goal of doing, um, I don't know, I think I did five or six 5Ks and then I did a sprint triathlon and then um, switched more to, to cycling. Um, but I had zero confidence in the world of running. I've never been an athlete growing up. I'm much more active in physical and than I ever was in my early years. Um, and as you can tell by my hesitance right now, I can't call myself an athlete. Like <laughs> I do. I think you're a rock star. Are you kidding? So, but there is a place where I really lack, I really do lack confidence, but it's also an example of how I just put into action what needed to happen, even though I didn't feel the confidence, I ran anyway. I put on the tennis shoes. I ran anyway. Um, when I did the triathlon and I picked up my, they call, the clothing you wear for a triathlon is called a kit. Mm -hmm. And so I put on my tri kit. And when I first picked it up, I laid it out on the bed and I was like, I do not feel worthy of wearing this. And I think I even put a Facebook post out there that said that. It was like, I do not feel worthy of wearing this. And um, I wore it anyway, and I did the triathlon. And my goal was to not be the last person to cross the finish line and to not need to go to the hospital when I crossed the finish line. And I far exceeded it. It was awesome. Wow. Wow. See, I just, I think it's, I think it's amazing. And, you know, and in all the time that, that I've talked to you about the, the triathlon and just for, in my opinion, nobody nobody can do a triathlon that's not a badass and that's just the long and short of it but 
um, you know, I never saw that lack of confidence and you always just put it out there. And so, so from the, from the outside looking in, you've always had it. And so I feel like you're an athlete. And I guess that's, you know, that's another piece of this is while we may not feel confidence comparing ourselves, like, like, like you said, an athlete. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't necessarily feel confidence comparing yourself to a marathon runner, you know, you certainly have a lot of confidence to somebody who runs to the end of the block, which that's me. And, <laughs> and so, you know, but at the time when you were doing, when you were doing a triathlon, I couldn't run to the end of my driveway. So I've come a long way, but you know, I think that a lot of it is perspective and, and we lose perspective when, when we're looking inward at ourselves and, and what we are capable of and what we can do, you know, we may want to do better for ourselves and can do better for ourselves, but you know, we're always doing the best we can. As long as we do the best we can right now, that's all we can do. And that's, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. And you know what that highlights for me with it's making me think of piggybacking on your practice of comparison with the TV show. We also, it's fatal to us to practice comparison. There's always a loser in comparison and guess who usually loses? Yep. Yep. You are exactly we right. When we practice comparison, we almost always come out on the low side. And so when I struggled with being an athlete with, you know, I was comparing myself to either people who trained me or other people I knew and respected that were in the world of athletics and were seasoned triathletes and Ironmen. And, and I, when I, com I compared myself to them. So of course, I came up on the losing side. Of course I didn't measure up. Right. I had just been doing it like for a year when I did my triathlon. I had never run before that. I was never a runner. Wow. And um, I was comparing myself to people who'd spent their lifetime running. Mm -hmm. So of course I came out thinking I don't deserve this. Of course I came out thinking I'm not an athlete. And I did it anyway. And I did it because I had support. And I had people, I borrowed the confidence that other people had in me on those days that I didn't feel like I could do it. And they were saying, you've got this, you can do this, keep going. Um, I remember on the running, so running was always the hardest for me. Cycling was fine. The swimming was fine. I've done dry tries where I was in a kayak instead of swimming. That was never hard for me. The running was a killer. And I had, you know, there were people along the running path with shouting words of encouragement and having posters. But I also had people who knew me and loved me that positioned themselves in different points along the um, running course that were very specific words of encouragement to me. And then my best friend who also kind of helped train me, um, caught me at the end and ran with me for a while. And the, the, just how amazing that felt to have people in my corner having confidence in me when I felt like I can't do this right. um, and I did it. I did it. Well, Sally, this has been so fun and I won't keep you. I know you have patience waiting. And so, you know, what I'm taking away from this is, you know, when you don't feel confident, surround yourself with people who have confidence in you. Do you have, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners on on being confident and starting a business and taking the leap and just uh, I think ditch comparison when you see it happening ditch it it is the thief of joy it is the thief of confidence um if you want more on that Brene Brown has a ton of research around it um and then I think the other is like own your worth like like we talked about when we opened the podcast that's our worth the work you do and being paid for the work you do love it I love it Sally 
thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And, and I look forward to seeing you very soon. Awesome. I, I'm looking forward to it too. I hope we can go back to non-pandemic living someday. Yep. And I appreciate you reaching out to me. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Isn't she amazing? There were a few things that we mentioned in our talk that I can promise you we will cover later. One of my favorite things about doing business with other amazing women is having an accountability partner or an accountability group. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about next time. So be sure and subscribe so you don't miss it. But in the meantime, remember, success takes dedication, courage, and confidence. Until next time, you got this. Baking Your Business from Scratch is produced by me, Jennifer Snyder, and Rogue Media Network. Check out all of the other great shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please follow us at Need as a Pen on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And to contact us, email jennifer at neatasapen.com. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you again on the next episode of Baking Your Business from Scratch. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.